This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Koros. This is my favorite GPS watch. It is the watch that my husband, Glenn, and I both wear all the time. Actually, in fact, he wears it like 24-7, even to sleep. It tracks his sleep, and he brags to me in the morning about the like eight or nine hour spots he puts up on his watch at night. Uh, But this watch is incredible. It has super accurate GPS. The battery life is amazing. And I also use it for my cross-training activities also. So it syncs up super easy to your phone and connects directly to Strava there. And I highly recommend it. You see ultra runners like Sally McRae, Camille Heron, Grayson Murphy, Alice Wright, all kinds of really strong runners and people that are out on the trails for a very long time wearing this watch. So you all can go to coros.com, C-O-R-O-S.com and use the code ANOTHER to get yourself an extra band at checkout. So they have all kinds of different fun colors for their bands. And when you check out with your purchase, use the code ANOTHER and you will get an extra band. I will let you know, I use the Apex watch. That's the one that I use. So, all right. So today you're listening to episode 213. And every year around this time, I like to bring on post-CIM guests because it's just such an exciting race and an exciting time of year for our sport in the running community. And so many people were going for an Olympic trials qualifier for the marathon at this race. And I just knew that this week and next week, and maybe even the week after I'd be doing some post CIM interviews. So the first one that you're going to get to hear is with Ann Mazur. You might follow Anne. She's got a pretty big following over on Instagram. You can find her at Runners Love Yoga. So I first heard about Anne way back in the day because I knew that she was the runner who also loved to do yoga. So she is super passionate about both running and yoga. She's a yoga instructor. She also has her PhD in English. And she's this like very multifaceted woman. She's an athlete across the board. She also loves to swim. She's married to a biker. And I loved in this interview hearing how Anne pursues all these different things that she really loves. Not just one, you know, laser focus on running, but but she also pursue, pursues all these other pieces of her life that make her happy and there's really just no one way to do something and she sure does show us that that in fact is the case she ran a 244 45 so she made that olympic qualifying time by 15 seconds i guess you would say 14 seconds because i think you have to be the second under the 245 and really shares with us what her training looked like. She's a racer. She loves to race, but she doesn't do a ton of workouts. And she, her mileage peaked out at 61 miles. Wow. I was really surprised to hear that. But then I heard about all the cross training she does. And I said, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Anne gets vulnerable with us 
in this episode, we talk about we talk about a wide array of life experiences in this interview. And I, man, I was just so thankful to get to know her. We talked for an hour and 32 minutes and I didn't want it to end. She was super fun. All right, friends, if you are loving this podcast or maybe this is your first time listening to the podcast, but you're enjoying it, I would appreciate it so much if you would consider leaving a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It's one of the best ways new listeners can find out about the show. And, you know, this is my passion in life is bringing these conversations that hopefully inspire people into the ears of new listeners and continue to bring them to the ears of listeners who've been here for a while. So that's just one small way you can support the show. All right. Well, Anna's amazing. Congratulations to everybody else who also qualified for the trials or ran a a great race or hey, and even if you didn't like keep going because this is hard. Marathoning is hard. And, um, Regardless of the outcome of your race on Sunday or, you know, whatever you've recently raced, it's a stepping stone to what is next. Okay. Enjoy my conversation with Anne Mazur. Well, this is the first post CIM interview. I'm so excited. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Anne. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so happy to be here. Are you, you're what, four days out from the race? Five days out? I am. It, the whole week seems like a blur. So, <laughs> but yes, it's Thursday. So race was Sunday. We are four days out if I'm doing my math right. <laughs> okay. So Anne just qualified for the Olympic trials and the marathon at CIM. Uh, you along with what was it? 61 other women? I think it was 63. Okay. I think 63. it was 63. It was in the 60s. I watched so many videos of people like just on Twitter and stuff. I kept seeing people post videos and that pack was huge. Mm-hmm. Did it feel yeah. like, I mean, I just, you don't see very many races where that pack of people running that 242 to like 246 range is that big. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say at the start, it was crowded. There was actually almost no way I could have taken out faster, even if I had wanted to, because I was really boxed in from front and back, both sides. Um, and in retrospect, that actually maybe helped me because I couldn't have gone out too fast because there was nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone was really, for the first couple miles especially, just it seemed really locked into that um, 617-ish kind of pace. Um, but it, to me, it got a lot smaller as we went. Like it was absolutely packed the first three miles. And then by the time you got to 10K, it was still like the road was crowded, but there were, you know, it wasn't where you were going to trip on somebody anymore. Um, and then really by, you know, when you got to 10, 11, it, to me, it felt really broken up mm. where it, there was no point where I thought like, oh, I'm really in a pack here of, you know, the same five people that, you know, we're all running exactly the same pace, but I was really with the pacers the whole time. Really? Um, yeah. And that wasn't even really my plan. I was actually planning on kind of going out faster than that. And, you know, if I, I actually didn't really even have a plan, you know, it made me a little <laughs> nervous <laughs> ahead of the race. You know, I'm like, all these other people have their coaches and they've like mapped out, oh, from mile seven to nine, we're going to do this. And then at mile 13, you better be at that split because it's downhill or, you know, I, I don't even know if 13 is downhill, but um, <laughs> going into it, I just knew I wanted to run by how I felt. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's so important in a marathon. This was my 10th marathon, but I've had marathons where I've gone out just a little bit too fast. And that always comes back to just 
bite you really hard later in the race. So when I did grandma's in 2018, so not this past summer, but the summer before that, I went out with a pack of women and it was like a really concrete pack of like probably seven to 10 girls. And the plan was to go anywhere between a 610 and 615. And that whole time I felt like I was just pushing it just a little bit too much. And it really, it, it came back and got me in a big way over the last you know, 10 miles of that marathon. <laughs> what did you so, come through the half at CIM? 122.24. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then you negative, right? you negative split. Yeah. I negative split by three seconds. Three seconds. So, so pretty perfect. Yeah. It was very evenly split. It, um, and I'll say, you know, going into this, I really didn't know that for sure I could do this at all. And even at the halfway point, you know, I think you hear about people who, you know, have this marathon race where they run it and they're like, wow, I just felt amazing the whole time. And I'm still looking for that marathon. Like mm. this marathon hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was at 12 and thinking in my head, like, oh, you know, we probably got a 50, 50 shot here. Um, and already at about 11 or 12, I was starting to have some quad tightness, which is really never a good sign. So I was just trying to not think too much about that. Um, and as the race went on, really, we were at, you know, like 16, 17. And I realized I really wasn't that far away from the pacers still. So I'm like, just stay on the pacers, stay on the pacers. Um, and we had gone to meet them the day before at the elite technical meeting. And they were awesome. And they kind of told us what their game plan was, was to run that just red line of 617s, you know, over and over and over again and get as close to 245, but then go under um, so I knew if I was with them, I could do it, but I was also trying to not think about that because that will really freak you out. During yeah. Marathon. <laughs> you know, that's interesting to me that they were wanting to do those six seventeens consistently mm -hmm. just because CIM has those little bit of rollers. So I'm like, mm -hmm. were they running the six seventeens on miles that were more uphill and miles that were downhill? Um, no, well, they were going 617 adjusted for the elevation, okay. essentially, but okay. they, they were like metronomes. I absolutely applaud the pacers, especially Chris, who was like, to me, like the lead pacer and the one I ended up being nearest. Um, and he's the one who spoke at the elite meeting and he was just so enthusiastic and peppy and just made you feel like these people have got your back, you know, um, I ended up right directly behind Chris for at least, it's honestly such a blur that I don't even really know what happened over the last eight miles of that race because I was trying to just turn my brain off and not to think too hard about what I was maybe going to do. But I was directly behind him for a, at least a couple miles. And then even on the back of his shirt, he had the splits, you know, of you know what you needed to hit each 5K mm -hmm. um, to be exactly on. Um, it was just... Yeah, it was just crazy. So, but it it was a very evenly split race. I looked back at the tracking that everyone else was following along with after the fact, and I don't know how my family and friends weren't having minor heart attacks <laughs> because you, you I could click through it and see, you know, what my projected time was, you know, throughout the tracking and it was always like 244.52. Yep. 244.57, 244.44. It was all, always in the 240s or 250 you know, 244, 40 something or 244, 50 something. It never was really faster or slower than that, that I saw. So, um, my little brother, Mark told me later that he was screaming at his phone for the entire last mile. And <laughs> my sister Jill was like, I couldn't even eat my lunch for like a good hour and a half after that. You know, it was just, yeah, it was 
definitely cutting it close. But, um, you know, if there's one thing I know I have confidence in, it's that I can run the same thing over and over and over again if I kind of lock into that. So, um, you know, it, in a way, it sounds like a risky strategy. But to me, it was way more risky to go out in like a 121 for the half and then really blow up and, you know, and you're also kind of doing that then by yourself. It just kind of worked out perfectly that I, my sweet spot of what I felt was good ended up being <laughs> right where the pacers were. And then I just hung on to them for dear life over the last 10K and made sure I was ahead of Chris during the last 5K because mm-hmm. I knew he was running that exact red line and, you know, trying not to think too hard. And then it was just, yeah, crazy. Well, to just make you feel even more special maybe just so you know your name was on the group text of my girlfriends too oh that's awesome (laughs) yeah because because they you know there were like I don't know 10 or 12 girls that people were women that they were all texting about and you were one of them and they were like she's at like she's got like 20 seconds and that's it so like it's funny because you say your friends and family but also people that you have no idea who they are were texting about you too yeah (laughs) that's awesome yeah um I know, I mean, man. Really nervous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's just it. And and so many people that were going for that trials time probably yeah. knew that they were gonna run like two forty four if they did it. Like you're not going yeah. in there thinking I'm trying to run two forty one or two forty two. Yeah. yeah. Um. And well, that's so cool though that the that three miles, the first three miles, that you feel like the pack kind of kept you, you know, straight yeah. with yourself of what you needed to do. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's. We'll talk a little bit more about CIM, but I just would love to kind of get to know your story a little bit more for those listeners who might not know you. Um, Anne is, go look at her Instagram account. It's Runners Love Yoga. And so, I Anne, I think I probably stumbled upon your account a few years ago. And um, you're, what she's known for, everybody, is being yo- a, the yoga gal and a really fast runner. So can you share with us kind of your upbringing and when your love for yoga and running all came together? Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, really my um, childhood was a little crazy and that I was not considered a good athlete in any way, shape or form. Um, You know, I was picked last in gym class, all of grade school. And people would actually like tell me to my face all the time, like, Anne, you're so slow. And, you know, they were kind of mean. <laughs> um, so I always, though, had dreams of being a fast runner. And, you know, I, I, I would run around the playground and like try to train myself during recess to run. And it was just, it's actually kind of crazy that I am doing what I'm doing now. If you saw me when I was eight years old and trying to run and, you know, just being this like little thing flailing around. Um, but, I started running in high school, you know, and I was actually immediately really good at it. Um, and somewhere along the line there, I, I kind of thought like, oh, if I stretch, I'll be better at running. I don't know where I really got that idea. Um, my mom and sister were both gymnasts and they were always very flexible. And that was not something at all that came naturally to me. So I would go put my Destiny's Child CD on and just stretch for like 20 minutes, you know, and I I think actually that early high school stretching kind of helped me figure out some things with like my body awareness and, you know, after a run, this feels good or that feels good. And then when I went to college, I ran at Notre Dame and I was actually a walk on. Um, And one thing I'm kind of proud of actually is we started with 14 girls in my incoming class 
And by the middle of sophomore year, we were down to four, and I was the only one who was not on scholarship. <laughs> Where did they all um, go? Did they just they, injured or? No, they quit. They so just quit. it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. The, I mean, the best days of my college experience were from running, and the worst days of my college experience were from running. Like, you can think of it like that. Um, but yeah, it's just very, very demanding. Um, but I, there was no way in hell I was going to that team. It was so meaningful to me to run for Notre Dame. That was just, that just meant the world for me. It was actually really depressing not running for, like, no one talks about what it's like post-collegiately, like, for the mm-hmm. first year or two when you don't have a team. And it's really hard, actually, on you um, when you're so, it's so much of your identity is wrapped up in that. Um, for a while, I actually just introduced myself as, like, hi, I'm Anne, and I run for Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> what What's that like walking on, though? Because I, I mm-hmm. ran in high school, and I, I wasn't super good or anything, but I just, I never considered walking on to a team. Yeah. Um, and now, like, just kind of looking at my history and stuff, I'm like, I probably could have just walked onto a team and been, like, the worst one on the yeah. team. Um, but, and by the way, Notre, I'm from Indiana. I live in Indiana, so um, Notre Dame is, like, a really hard school to get into. <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't get in for the running. I got in for the academic side of it yeah, all. <laughs> which is really hard in itself. Yeah. But yeah, tell us about walking on. Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, that was that was hard. That was really hard. I think you almost can't even understand unless you're also a walk-on. Like, you're almost continually proving yourself the whole way. And mm-hmm. there's definitely advantages that the scholarship athletes are going to end up getting just because, you know this school wants to look like they've done a good job recruiting, even if mm-hmm. you're kind of proving yourself daily in and out of practice, um, that you are fast. <laughs> so it was hard. Um, there are times definitely when my teammates kind of got me through certain situations that I don't know, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that was pretty tough that I stuck that out for, you know, I ran for them for five years too. Yeah. So, but I, I love Notre Dame. It's just, I think if you talk to any Notre Dame grad, they, there's something special about that school that, um, you know, there's something special about even putting on that Notre Dame uniform that just you can't replicate. Um, yeah. And you ran yeah. with Molly Huddle when you were there, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. So which is blows my mind. She was always much faster than I was. <laughs> <laughs> was she older or younger? She was the year above me. Okay. Um, but she had a fifth year at Notre Dame. And then um, so she was a fifth year when I was also a senior. So there was a way where we were kind of like I was, you know, and then I had a fifth year too, but um, we were both the 10K kind of gals. So um, my coach would make jokes about putting me in the 800, like before the day before the meet, he'd be like, and what do you think you're going to do tomorrow? And the 800 and then, you know, to kind of chuckle, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, we were both the 10K girls. So um, for outdoor track I would my my whole junior year actually Molly was one of my training partners you know not for workouts but just for regular runs Mm -hmm. and it was like every run was like a tempo run for me and Molly (laughs) would just be like cruising along and she's just so she's so phenomenal is it's I'm not surprised at all that Molly has gone on to do what she's done because she's just she's got her head in a really good place and like what, what you see with Molly with how she's so humble and just kind, that is really how Molly is. It's just, she's amazing. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. So after Notre Dame, you're mm-hmm. doing your yoga thing. Take, yeah. Walk us, walk us to what's next. Oh yeah. So, well, and I got into yoga more at Notre Dame. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was very demanding that type of training on your body, like D1 college running all the time. So I started just stretching a lot on my own 
And kind of the joke is, I think my coach, we would usually run like an 800 together as a team and then stretch as a group and then go off and do our workout or our run or whatever it was. And I honestly think my coach saw me stretching and doing all my little extra stretches and like taking forever and holding us up (laughs) that he probably thought to himself, like, let's just put Anne in charge of this because then it'll speed her up a little bit with all these stretches she's trying to do. (laughs) And then everyone else will have to do these stretches as well. So my senior year, he put me in charge of leading team stretching, which I actually loved because, you know, stretching and yoga had helped me so much. I had a really bad IT band injury my junior year that um, that'll happen when you're a 10K runner and just like doing laps in one direction. (laughs) And I, you know, I fixed myself with yoga. I really did. Like I did you know, pigeon pose every night for several minutes at a time. You know, it's, I had like this whole thing that, that basically got rid of this really pesky IT band trouble that I felt like would never go away. Um, so I was in charge of leading team stretching and one of my teammates was like, Ann, you're really good at this. You should be a yoga teacher. And I thought, great idea. Um, so before I started my PhD program at UVA, I did an intensive yoga teacher training that summer. Um, and then really the whole way through my PhD program, um, I taught nearly 600 yoga classes in my, during my PhD, which is also hard to do, (laughs) but I think it actually helped me. You know, it's, I actually was the first person in my cohort of my PhD to finish the PhD. So everyone who entered the same year I did, I was the first one to graduate. Um, And, you know, I think I attribute a lot of that actually to yoga. So yoga will actually not just help you run faster, but it will help you do your PhD faster too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I guess while I was running post-collegiately, my best friend Louise was like, and you're so good at teaching yoga. I wish I could take yoga with you all the time. You should make a DVD. And I'm like, that's a great idea, Louise. And <laughs> we, Louise is like my best friend. We're, we're just like the best running buddies ever. Um, and I flew up to Boston and I had some friends who were finishing up film school up there. And I made a DVD, which sounds kind of crazy to just go out there and do that. And um, that was the start of runners love yoga. And then through Instagram, it really grew because I had these monthly yoga challenges. And to me, I just love the idea that I'm helping runners not be injured because I love running, you know, like I love my sports and they're such an integral part of my life that all the times when I was injured in college, when I maybe wasn't doing as much yoga or hadn't quite figured things out yet, um, that was brutal mentally and physically. And if I can help people to not suffer through that, then that's a hundred percent what runners love yoga is about. So, um, the tagline of runners love yoga is do yoga run faster. And I a hundred percent believe in that it's, it works. Yeah. I watched your Ted talk that you did and you in the TED talk, you mentioned that you were only running 35 mile, 40 mile weeks. Did you, yeah. did you run that low mileage for CIM? No, so oh, it's gone okay. up a little more, but it okay. actually does kind of blow my mind. Back when I ran my 317 at Kiowa Island, I was doing 30 miles a week. Yeah. Like I'm not even talking 35. Yeah. It was 30 miles a week, which yeah. to me is just, I'm like, wow, that was, that was awfully brave of me right there to be thinking I could run a marathon off of that. But um, I'm still very low mileage. I, what, do you do, what did you do leading up to CIM? 
for CIM, so I looked back at my training log actually yesterday. And if anyone wants a super detailed breakdown, I just wrote the race report that has, it, it's like week by week and okay. even includes my long run length. Um, and that's on my website. But um, the, the 15 weeks leading up to CIM, I ended up peaking almost a month out and I did 61. Wow. But that, that was the highest. That was the only week I had even near 60. And then the, I think, five weeks before that, I was between 49 and 54. Okay. That's my kind of training, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I want to break three, uh, you know, maybe in the next year or two. And I like, I just don't, A, I don't, this sounds weird because I love to run, but I don't love it. I don't love it enough to run more than that. I don't want to run more than that. Yeah. I don't ever want to run a hundred miles a week. I think that sounds awful. I would not feel good. (laughs) I wouldn't feel good. I'd feel like my body was constantly broken down and I also just don't want to spend that much time doing it. Yeah. That would, that would take me absolutely forever. I also actually, Oh, no one's going to believe this, but I really don't do any running workouts. Really? I race a lot. I love racing. And you know, my goofy low mileage, high racing system kind of developed in grad school by mistake, mostly because when you're getting your PhD at the university of Virginia, it's not always possible to be running what you were running in college. It just was not physically possible. Like you're getting a PhD in the humanities, especially somewhere as prestigious as UVA is no joke. So yeah, I can't imagine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, kind of by mistake started running 30 miles a week. Cause that was really all I could handle. And then, but I love racing and I found like doing track workouts myself, that was just not fun. And I would go slow and it was just really frustrating and d- that just didn't work out at all. So I didn't even try to do that. So I just started racing a lot. And for a while I was racing almost every weekend, um, which was actually a blast. Like I love racing. It's to me, that's the fun part. You know, you get to compete, you get out there, you get a free t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> you're up early on the weekend, you know, other eyes, I would probably just sleep in and be lazy or, you know, it takes you forever to get out there for your run. Um, and yeah, so leading up to CIM, I literally did no running workouts. I did no tempos at marathon pace. I did no fart licks. I did no hill workouts. I did no track workouts. I did 11 races. Um, all, I did two miles, two one mile races. And then I think the most of them were in the like 5k to four mile range. And I did a couple halves, but, um, yeah, that was from the beginning of August up to CIM. I think it was 11 races. So Um, when you do like, when you're running like 50, 60 mile weeks though, are you, you know, like, so when I'm not like trying to say, oh, every Wednesday I'm doing a track worker out or something. Yeah. Usually like every five days or something like that, I'll be like, I feel like running a little bit faster today and I'll throw in like three tempo miles just because it feels good. Is that kind yeah. of, did that kind of stuff just happen? No, no. no. you just ran easy? <laughs> yeah, I run easy. And when I run easy, I run really easy. Like the fastest I would run honestly was there's this girl, Julie, who lives in town and she is like a hundred mile a week gal. So I would run with her on a lot of Fridays and we would be like upper sevens. Okay. And that was like regular run pace for Julie. And I, that was fastish for me. Like seven forty fives or like seven tens. Oh no. Like seven forty five. Okay. It okay. was like upper seven. Yeah. 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 And then during the week I teach a running for fitness class at UVA. So I'll run with them on, on, um, I don't ever run with them on Mondays, but I always run with them on Wednesday and Friday during class. And then we would be like eight twenty to eight fifty. Man, that um, is my happy spot right there. Yeah, yeah. So that's 
and that's usually about, I, I feel like I'm really feeling myself if I'm alone on a run and running low eights. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I actually, it's so funny that we're bringing this up because I have two girlfriends that I meet to run sometimes <laughs> and they I'll meet like yesterday we met at six fifteen in the morning and I was like, Yeah, these girls better not be trying to run eight minute miles at six fifteen in the morning and yeah. <laughs> and Colleen, if you're listening, I love you. But they were <laughs> and I was like, My thirty six year old body Yeah just no. like if unless I'm doing a workout, like my happy place is like probably eight forty, really, truly. Yeah. And yeah. just like give or take twenty seconds, you know, depending on how mm-hmm. I feel. And I and the other girl that I run with almost every time I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I need to slow down. I have, need to catch my breath. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just ran a marathon at 7:45 pace. It's not that fast, but like running anywhere near that is like, I'm, Oh yeah. You know, it's crazy. It, it like would freak me out sometimes. Cause I would hear about other people who were, who were trying to get the OT cut and they're like, I went out, you know, what was really pivotal to my training was I was doing these long marathon tempos or like finishing a long run at, at faster than my intended marathon pace. And I'm like, there is no way unless I'm in a race situation that I'm even touching that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. And if I didn't race, I would probably think that I'm a lot slower than I actually am. I think it's also important to realize I'm doing a lot of exercise just because I'm a yoga and fitness instructor. So I think that's where I get a lot of my intensity where if I try to do track rec- workouts and, you know, like these kind of standard runnerish workouts, I would be just entirely beat up the whole time. So I do teach a spin class on Monday night and that's 45 minutes oh, that's long. That's probably awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I love, I love spinning too. So I think that's the other thing too is, you know, if someone has – you know, a different kind of workout that they really enjoy, whether it's cycling or swimming. I love swimming. Swimming was my first sport. And I actually, that was the hardest thing for me about running in college was that I really couldn't swim quite as much as I was used to. Or, you know, I just love being in the water. It was my yoga before I did yoga. Mm. Um, People, you know, you can do these other workouts that make you a stronger athlete overall and then a better runner. And you can make some of those workouts more intense where you don't have to be going out and like busting out, you know, like five, eight hundreds on the track at like 5K pace. Yeah, you're still getting your heart rate up. Yeah, exactly. So I do that spin class on Monday night. And then Wednesday, I usually teach a class called Sayo, which is 30 minutes cycle, 30 minutes yoga. Mm. Um, And, you know, so that's intense enough. And then I do some pretty hardcore swim workouts that I just love and I love being in the water and that's, you know, weightless and good for your body that way. And besides that, I just do like an absolute ton of yoga. <laughs> do you swim like once a week? Oh no, it's a lot more than once a week. Really? It's like practically every day. I love swimming. Really? I, yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, it. are you already at the gym anyway, teaching a class and you're like, I'm just going to hop in the pool for 40 minutes or something. Sometimes it's like that, but it's, my swimming is really pretty structured. Even I'll know like, on Tuesdays, that's like my really high volume, high intensity swim day. Um, yeah, What's high I'm volume. Like, oh, people, I I can't even. They're like not even gonna believe me. But I, I'll <laughs> do like, I'll do like a real swim practice, like at least five thousand yards. Yeah. Really? Well, this is why you yeah. can run so fast too. Yeah. Swimming is exactly. really hard. Yeah, I love swimming. I could swim all day. It's really. I, I should tell. This is like a story I tell people, but I swam before I ran. And, you know, I told you when I was a girl, when I was growing up, people made fun of me for being bad at sports. And that's all I ever wanted to do was be a great athlete. 
And um, it worked out because I just read a ton and then I got my PhD and I did it in the right order. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I learned to swim when I was 11, which is actually really late in the swimming world. But I immediately just loved it, loved it. And my swim coaches and my swim teammates were sometimes some just the most important people um, growing up in my life, um, friend-wise. And um, where am I even going with this? I don't know. I just I just love being in the pool. It's just awesome. I, you I know, yeah. like I can't even. So for those listening, when we say like, oh, you can run six, 50, 60 mile weeks and still run really fast. Yeah. Don't don't forget that she's also getting in the pool like every day then. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a that's a huge part of it. You know, like um, years ago, I tried that run less, run faster method. And it's like, well, that really only works if you actually do all the cross training, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That yeah. makes it legit. Yeah, for sure. It, it to me it makes it more fun too because it's just so much more interesting to like run and swim and do yoga than just go out there for and, – and you know when I go out and do like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I would usually do a longer-ish run like 10, 11 miles and – if I wanted to do a double that day there, you know, I don't want to go run more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a lot, you know, but it's easy to go hop in the pool or easy to go on your yoga mat or easy to go on the bike, you know? So it's, um, you know, you can, you can do a lot with the cross training and I think a lot more than people realize and runners get very attached to running, but if there's something else they love to do, I would say like, whether it's swimming or biking or something else, like, or Zumba, you know, whatever, <laughs> try adding it in because they might just have so much more fun and then they do it more anyway and it, it all works out for the best. Yeah, you know, when I trained for, I did a half Ironman like five, six years ago and that made me appreciate running so much more because I was like so committed to the bike and the swim because those were the things I was not good at that on my days I got to run, I just appreciated it so much more because I was like, oh, it's yeah. a run day and that's like my thing. Like that's what I'm yeah. good at. That's awesome. Um. That being said, I really struggle getting back in the pool. And for me, a good day is like 1,700 meters, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, I could – I really love my long swim workouts. Like, and are oh. you doing like repeats like 10 oh, times yeah. 100? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's – I miss swimming competitively so much in college. Like, I would sneak off to the pool and not tell anyone where I was going. And Really? Um, I would show up to practice or to dinner with like my hair wet and just pretend like I had showered because <laughs> no, if you aren't a swimmer, you don't understand yeah. and you have enough kind of crazy personalities in college running that I'm like, they're going to just think I'm just trying to get more exercise in. But really, I just missed being in the water. Um, and, you know, I would run. I'm from Pittsburgh and my little brother is a swimmer and he swam for Rollins College in Florida. He actually swam and ran for them which to me sounds like the dream life, like swimming and running on a team in Florida. Yeah. Doesn't get better than that. So, but Dan swam for Team Pitt, which was a really awesome aqua club in Pittsburgh. And I would drive in with Dan and my mom while I was running at Notre Dame. I would go run through Shenley Park while Dan swam. But you can't run as long as a swimmer typically swims. So he would have his two-hour swim practice and I would get back there and I would go stretch up in the bleachers and look down the swimmers like in the middle of their hard set and I would be so jealous. Like I wanted so like I'm like, dang, like I miss I miss that. I miss that sort of intensity and like that high you get from your hard set in the pool. Um, so really it you know, after I was done running at Notre Dame, I was, you know, like kind of bound and determined to get back in the pool and um 
yeah, somewhere along the line, I just started swimming more and more. And I'm like swimming as much as I did in high school now. Do you talk about that on your Instagram too? Or do you mostly just talk about running and yoga? Well, I think people follow me for for the the running and the yoga. So if I start saying too much swimming, people like are like, "What are you doing?" You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a little bit of that, but um, I am sponsored by Arena. Okay. So which is you know a swim company, and they're amazing. So and I would actually 100% rather be sponsored by them than like mm. a running company. You know, it's they're, they're amazing. Um, and they've treated me so well, and it's they're. If anyone run and if any runner is listening to this and needs some goggles, they need to go to Arena because they really? make yes. Okay. Yeah, and they just came out with some new ones called like the Airsoft that have these like honeycomb seals that help you not get goggle marks on your face, and it's just yeah. So, but um, there are enough swim pictures on my Instagram where I'm like doing yoga poses at the pool. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate getting. Uh, water in my goggles and I and I always just buy cheap yeah. goggles from Amazon like, yeah. oh these look great oh gosh you yeah know? no you need to get okay. Arena makes these ones that have this anti-fog that actually yeah. works okay yeah okay. check it out I'll check it out for sure yeah I know what you mean though about Instagram because I recently like this podcast is like my thing like this is my mm-hmm. main thing but I recently started a second one that's like not related to running at all. It's more of like a social entrepreneurs and, you know, like nutrition and wellness and just this whole holistic thing. And mm-hmm. it's not related to running at all. And I'm like, am I like too all over the place? But like, I'm super passionate about that too. But I know that 90% of the people following yes, exactly. are there for the running and the podcast that's about running. So yeah. it's this like, social media is this kind of like weird balance. It's like you want to be your true self and like talk about and do what you're passionate about, but you know what your core audience is there for. Yes. I totally, I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. My husband's like, those people don't want to see swim pictures. Yeah. But I love swimming. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's, it's a, it's the same thing too with my kids. It's like when I post just like a random picture of my kid who just turned three or something, it's like, the people that are just there for the running are probably like, who's this random kid in my feed, you know? But, yeah. but then I have this group of people that follow me because they're also moms. So it's just yes. like, it's a weird thing. Yeah. I'm, uh, so we found, my husband was on a cycling photo shoot. He um, owns and founded Cutaway USA, which okay. is a cycling company. And um, they were out on a photo shoot this fall and they found four abandoned kittens and we're adopting two. I'm actually going to go pick Aww. them up in the, like the next two days. I had to do a lot of talking my husband into this <laughs> to get these two cats, but they're adorable. And I'm like, I've already created an Instagram for one of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And but but people, I'm sorry in advance if I like have a lot of cat photos. You're gonna in my have Instagram to do it. Story. It's like they're my cat children now. Yeah. Like I can't de- you know deny them their online presence. So yeah, it's gonna be. It's I mean that's gonna be a massive part of your life now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. How did you meet your husband? Oh my gosh. So he w- he had moved to Charlottesville um, to work at the Miller School, which is a private school, kind of maybe 20 minutes outside of town. And he'd moved there because they have this really hardcore endurance team. It's actually the biggest cycling program for high schoolers on the East Coast. And people will come like from Brazil and, and China and everywhere to train here because it's actually really great cycling training around Charlottesville and um, the roads here. So he had moved there for that. Um, And then I was here already for my PhD. 
And then, you know, being in a PhD program in the humanities, it's like overwhelmingly like you're surrounded by women and, you know, you have a lot of friends, but not a lot of dating opportunities. And my sister was like, you need to just join eHarmony. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> so but I did then. eHarmony. Yeah. And then I met Philip um, at a coffee shop and immediately liked him right away. Like I would have I would have gotten married within six months. So <laughs> so but we've known each other seven years now. Yeah, man, e, I'm going to just say eHarmony works. You know, why? But why did you go with eHarmony? Because I feel like people our age more so go with like a match. Yeah. Well, I actually was on match and there were a lot of creepers on there. Like, and it was kind of this weird, like, thank God I wasn't, you know, big on Instagram, you know, not that I'm like a celebrity like or something, but you know, there were enough people that knew me from running even just in Charlottesville that I was on match and there was like this creepy guy who would see me at races Uh who kept trying to like match with me. And I'm like, no, No. you're like 10 years older than I am and I'm not interested. And, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know why did I do eHarmony. I think I just thought that one's more serious and not for people for like sure. looking for something real casual. Yeah. And, I would yeah. agree. I would agree with that. I yeah. first, well, it was like that. That's the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. And then now I feel like I. So I got married before people were really doing online dating. I got married in two thousand eight. Um, not that I think people were doing it then, but it just wasn't as popular yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, even when I met Philip there, so I met Philip. In May, May 9th, 2012. Okay. The day I met Philip. And um, even then, like for a while, I wouldn't even tell people we met on eHarmony because it was almost like embarrassing. Uh And now I kind of just don't care. No. Um, And yeah, it was just, I don't know. Like to me, it was like love at first sight and I like loved him right away. And, you know, it was great that he was an endurance athlete, but also kind of not a runner. He actually can run. Philip is actually disgusting. He is, <laughs> he will go out, he, he goes out and he'll be like, I'm going to do a mile and he'll come back and he's like, guess what my time was? And it'll be like 6.15. Just like and one I'm like, mile. You get out of here. I'm like, you need to either start training. I'm like, all these other women have people like their husbands to train with. And you're just like sitting over here on your bike all the time. You know, it's. Because <laughs> you could have a training, pro- like he I could, could keep up with you. If, yeah. Yes. If he actually, oh, I, we actually have been on a couple runs together. Like back when we were first dating. Philip had never run more than like four or five miles. Also, a little backstory to this is he was actually recruited to run in college for Lynchburg College, where he ended up going. But then he was more like a miler, I think. Mm. Um, But he saw the training plan and it was like 50 miles a week over the summer. And he was like, I'm not doing that. And he ended up then forming the college's cycling team, Mm. which I'm actually really glad he did that because otherwise he might not have started Cutaway. He might not have moved to Charlottesville to work at Miller School, and I might not have met him. So, you know, it really all worked out. But I went on this run with Philip back when we had only been dating maybe a couple years, and he was going really fast initially. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Like, this is going to be the hardest run ever. Um, and then I totally drop him. Like, he's like, <laughs> he's like I need to walk. He, he actually said he needed to walk. And um, I, then I felt bad. I, you know, I'm like, I can't leave you out here, like in the middle of the road. You know, it's that would be horrible. So he made me keep going, and it was this out and back run um, on Dickwoods Road, which Charlottesville people, if they listen to this, will understand. It's like a famous runner mm-hmm. road here. And you know, I look, turn behind me. Philip is nowhere in sight. Can't even see him. And then, like five minutes later, I turn behind me and. Philip is literally like charging up the road and I have no idea how you caught back up to me, but I think cycling like gives you this weird power to, you know, like 
you think you're done and then you have a burst. And I think that's how people go on rides. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, yeah, Philip's awesome. Um, he should run more than he does. I keep trying to convince him to run and we'll see. Maybe it'll stick this time. He He's made it a goal to try to always run a sub six minute mile before the end of the year. So we have to get him going and going to the track. He's got like three weeks left. I know. He's running out of time. So he last is. year he did it December 18th. So, so like gonna... every year he wants to just like check yes. that box. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I went to IU and cycling's kind of big there because we've got the little five. Does he ever talk about that? Does he yeah, know about the little five? Yeah. 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 yeah it's always he, a big thing. He's made jerseys for people leading up to the finals of that. I think okay. for the finals, don't they give everyone their own? Like, like they have everybody has a kit. Jerseys. Yeah. Everybody yeah, has their own them kit. A kit. But he's made kits for people before they got to the finals okay. for that. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this episode is sponsored by eHarmony. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, my running got better after I met Philip, too, because I was just happier. You're just so. happier. I yeah, love that. It works. Yeah. You know, I have – I really, truly had I, – I always love asking people how they met their significant other, like if it just gets – if their significant other gets brought up. And I have interviewed several people who have met their significant others online. So, yeah. yeah. And that's what the way of the world is now, too. Like, some of my best friends I have literally met on Twitter and Instagram. I know that is ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's how it works. The girls I was telling you I was texting with about your race, the creepiness that we were all texting about you and we didn't know you. (laughs) (laughs) I literally know them from the internet. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. All right, friends, I'm going to take a quick break and thank a sponsor who is helping make this show possible, and that is HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. I can attest to that because I am not comfortable in the kitchen. And if I don't have a plan, I stand in the kitchen and I look around and I just open the vegetable crisper and open all my cabinets and think, uh, I don't know what to do. So I'm super thankful for HelloFresh because they give step-by-step recipes with pre-measured ingredients and everything I need to know for a dinner that is exciting and different that I can just get ready in about 30 minutes. This is a great way to break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 20 plus seasonal chef curated recipes each week. There is something for everyone from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. You can also add extra meals to your weekly order as well as yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. You can easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need. This has seriously been a lifesaver for me. There are days when I forget that my delivery is coming and I open the door and see my mail and see my delivery and it's really exciting because then I have a plan for dinner that night. Most recently, I made a couscous dish that Israeli couscous is what they used. And I always forget how much I love Israeli couscous. It was so good. You all can get in on this action and thank me later because it's gonna be a positive experience. So here's the deal. Get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to hellofresh.com slash another nine and use the code another nine. And that's the number nine not spelled out. So again, get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash another nine 
and use the code another nine. Link to that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Friends, if you're looking for bonus episodes for me and conversations with my husband, Glenn, as well as reoccurring guests, head over to Patreon and get in on that action. The live show with Dina Castor and Sally McRae is all over there, both the audio and the video from the night, the full thing. When you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, you can get access to that along with like, I want to say like 70. It's a lot of bonus episodes over there. So if you've caught up to this feed and you don't have any extra episodes lying around and you're looking for some extra episodes, go check that out. Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Anne Mazur. Okay, so let's get into CIM. Now that we kind of have your history and your backstory and everybody, okay. now everybody knows you're a really awesome swimmer too. That's news to yeah. me as well. Um, let's talk about CIM. You mentioned your cousin Ian and how he kind of brought you strength, his memory throughout that race and the training. So let's talk about that. Yes. So um, I lost my cousin Ian to suicide in 2013 and this was really hard for me to deal with. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids. So Ian was someone I always looked up to. He was kind of like the older sibling I didn't have. And he was actually a great athlete too. He played soccer at Allegheny College. Just really smart, all, overall just like awesome guy. So, and then that happened when I was in the middle of grad school. And it was so hard to even talk to anyone about it. Like I couldn't even, I honestly couldn't even like mention it to my friends. Like it was just, I couldn't even verbalize it. It was just like a hole was in the middle of the world, you know, and you didn't know why this had happened or you couldn't understand it. And, um, it was honestly like making me really depressed. Like it was very, very hard to deal with. And, you know, I'd always gone to Catholic school and, you know, it was, <laughs> you feel like how can God let that happen? You know, that doesn't seem very fair. Um, and I was trying to kind of like deal with all of this. And I went to a race in Waynesboro. It was a really small little 10K. And when I got there, I just felt so depressed. It was just like the whole weight of the world was just like weighing down on me. And I can't even really explain this feeling. I felt like probably like what Ian was feeling like. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I was even like telling Philip, like, I just don't feel good, you know, and I went up to the registration table before the race started to get my bib number and got my bib number and I paused there to put the pins into the bib. And, you know, this is a small race. This isn't like the Chicago marathon. It's a small <laughs> little 10 K in Waynesboro, Virginia. And this guy comes up next to me and they're like, sir, what's your name? You know, so he can get his bib. And he said his name was Ian Fisher, which is exactly my cousin's name. What? like down to the last name. So at that point, I like kind of got chills over my whole body. And, you know, when he came up to the table too, he had like a hoodie on. It was like, you couldn't even really see him that well either. And I'm like, holy crap. You know, it, um, I felt like Ian was letting me know he was okay. Mm. And, you know, I had been worrying about him and just the whole thing so much. And it had just been absolutely just like weighing on me. And then during that race, I actually had to fend off a girl right behind me and I was kind of like talking to Ian and being like, Ian, you know, you got to help me beat this girl here. And, uh, I won the race and I a hundred percent believe Ian helped me win that race and helped me do that. Like, it's just, 
what what are the odds that someone that comes up next to you who has exactly your cousin's name that you've been thinking about and you've been feeling like the most depressed sort of feeling that you've ever felt in your entire life before that it was like before this it was like even though i would consider myself a very religious person i was kind of like doubting you know is does, is god even out there you know this mm-hmm. is ridiculous and then to have that happen, it was like Ian was letting me know, like, Ann, I'm all right. Mm. And you don't have to worry about me anymore. And, you know, I was recently, like, looking back at my training. And, you know, I struggled for a good while after Notre Dame to, you know, I was hardly even running, like, a 19-minute 5K. I wasn't very good, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, by, like, what I would consider my former what college you're do- And what you're doing now. Exactly. So, um that was really a turning point in my running career. And I really feel like Ian has been helping me since then. Um, and then last year when I didn't make, make it at CIM. So, you know, the first time I thought, Oh, I've got a shot. It's Olympic cut time or Olympic trials cut time was in 2017. I won Kiowa Island in 252, And I'm like, that really wasn't that bad. I think I can take another seven minutes off. And then I ran grandma's in 2018 and was um, 249, and then I ran CIM last year, and I was 248, which was a PR, but of course not the PR that I wanted. Um, and then after the race, I had found out the date of the race for this year, and it was on Ian's birthday. No. Yeah. Wow. So I got just like totally choked up and was like, well, of course I didn't make it then because, mm. you know, Ian wanted me to make it <laughs> on his birthday. So um, that was, I think, what had to be the plan all along was I make it at like this very last minute, you know, just under the wire like that. And Ian was helping me out. And um, during even when I didn't make it at Grandma's this past summer, I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to make it at CIM, even though like I also in my mind was like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> um, but during the last 10 K, I just kept praying to Ian to, you know, like Ian help my quads not hurt. And <laughs> I, I felt like it, he was helping me. Like my, my quads started to feel better. So there was like no explanation for it, except someone was helping me up there. Wow. Like it wasn't, it wasn't at all an easy race. I, like I said, at 12, I was really giving myself like a 50-50 shot of, of hanging in there. And it was really just I kept thinking like stay on the pacers. It also like was insane to me that Chris, the lead pacer, was a swimmer. Yeah. So he came to the elite meeting and had a swimming t-shirt on. And I was like almost like laugh crying to <laughs> myself. Like I was so nervous already. But I was like, wow, this is like another sign. It's just this is just how it's supposed to be. But I couldn't, I couldn't believe the race was on Ian's birthday. That was just, are you close with his parents? Um, yeah. So my aunt Judy, his mom, I couldn't wait to text her after the race. I was like, you're, you're never going to believe what I just did. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was crazy. That is so cool. I feel like, I don't feel like a lot of people knew that or know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. You know, it's like, I, I feel the same as you. Like when, when things like that happen, it really, like, I feel like some people say it strengthens their faith. Yeah. But like for me, it really makes me doubt my faith. Cause I'm like, cause, cause 
it, people strengthen their face because they're, they'll say, Oh, I'll get to see that person again. Or like, yeah. you know, like they find comfort in that, but like, there was nothing, there was nothing that was comforting me about that. It's, it's people who have gone through this. And I hope anyone listening doesn't go through this because it's awful. It's not like dealing with someone with an illness who yeah. dies. It's just like, they're just gone. They're just gone. And you feel like, I should have said something or, you know, like Ian was a soccer player and I was in England the summer before and was it the, you know, they call it football, but <laughs> the football like hall of fame up there in Manchester. And, and I was like, Oh, I should send Ian a postcard. And then I didn't send him a postcard and it made me feel so bad. I was like, maybe if I had just talked mm. to him a little more, it would have been okay. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's insane. I actually ran the, um, the um, Tinkerbell have for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention back in 2015. Okay. And raised like $1,000 for that. So if anyone listening to me like needs an outlet, they were awesome. Like it really helped me. It's it's hard to run and cry at the same time. <laughs> so um, what's and then the organization my, again? The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Okay. Yeah. So the AFSP they will um, reserve certain spots for people um, who want to raise money for them. And it's a fundraiser and you can run in memory of someone. And um, to me, it was really helpful was dealing with the grieving process too, to be able to do that. Yeah. And it allowed me to then talk, talk about it, which I hadn't really been able to do up to that point. Um, and then my goal going into it was to get the course record and I got second. So someone else <laughs> But I beat the old course uh -huh. record by one second. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. So um yeah, it's it's uh yeah, I can't I can't believe it. That that whole thing at that ten K where the other Ian Fisher came up, it was to me that was unreal. That felt like a miracle or something to me. It really does. And I yeah, I mean it's like I've always kind of been the kind of person who's like like just thinks oh that's a coincidence but that's too too yeah, weird it was, it was too weird it was too weird yeah. with like how I was feeling that day going into it and then how I ended up winning the race and really I really did have to fend off this girl behind me like I had to have a good race so um, growing up Catholic then or yeah you know what you believe now like do you think that it was a god thing oh yeah. yeah no I think I think Ian was saying and you don't, you don't need to worry about me and I'm okay up here. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. We're Thanks like, for, we're, Ann and I are doing that. video. This I usually don't do video and we're like both teary eyed in the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is such a powerful story. So when you go run in the trials in Atlanta in February, yeah. um, yeah, like what's going to be on your mind? Oh, wow. I don't know. I, I am honestly going to be just so happy to be there. There's, it's, it's almost impossible to even put into words the amount of work and, and hope that has gone into this whole process of, you know, this has been my goal all along, but it, you know, even in the months leading up to this race at CIM, I kept telling my husband, like, oh, well, if I don't make it, it'll be okay because I'll just go run a bunch of races in March when everyone else is <laughs> out of commission. Um, but I'm really glad that's not what I'm doing. You know, I I just, 
I, I think, you know, when you watch the video of me crossing the finish, you can tell that this is the case, but it's like a pressure valve, like, yeah. Comes off, and I can't even believe it. Like, I'm still a little in disbelief. I, I can't believe it still. I, I cannot believe that that's what I, I actually did. It's insane. I knew it was in the realm of possible things that could happen. But it's not like I've been running like a 115 half marathon, you sure. know? Yeah. I've been running like 120 half marathons. And my PR is a 119, 31. So. Yeah, so that's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like right there. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm still slightly in shock that that's actually what happened. But I'm so happy. I am so happy. I've never been so happy to cross a finish line in my entire life. It was amazing. Yeah, and I mean, just you sharing the story about Ian and everything, it's kind of like... <laughs> We watch people do these big, amazing things and, you know, hit these big goals. But it's like we don't always know every single piece to the story. We still don't know every single piece to your story. But it's just like just like putting the puzzle pieces together is just really, really fun to do. Yeah. You never know what other people have gone through. And I mean, I even think that a lot just as a teacher, Mm. you know, all my students are so important to me at all the places where I teach and. You know, I think about, you know, they don't know what happened with Ian or, you know, other things I've had to go through in my life. And you never know what all these students are going through and to like allow them to get that little space where they have this time to work out, whether it's the running class or the yoga class. To me, it's just so powerful to have that sort of thing set aside for them. What was your hardest mile at CAM? Oh, man. Oh, wow. That is a hard question. I would say almost like probably 13, 14 Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, you're halfway through and you're thinking to yourself like, oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh, I have to do that again for a whole half marathon. I think that was probably the hardest part was that mental hurdle of, you know, at that point, I was very unsure whether it was even a remote possibility, you know, kind of based on how I was feeling. And I had gone through the half so perfectly that it to me seemed almost impossible that I would run that whole thing again. You have no really no room for error. Yeah, there was no room for error there. Um, I would say probably beginning at like 17, 18 was when I was really kind of like locking it in. And I actually just kept thinking to myself, just like swimming. That was my mantra. Oh, I love that. And I was behind Chris, the pacer, who was the swimmer. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, if this were a swim practice and you were doing, you know, 2100s on, you know, 130 and you're knocking out, you know, a certain interval, like you would be able to do this. And so just pretend it's swim practice and it's the pain of swim practice. And if you can do that, you can do that here and just keep doing the same thing over and over. Because I knew it wasn't that I had to suddenly run like a 550 mile. I knew I just had to keep running exactly what I was running. Um, and I was basically just like clinging to that for dear life and, you know, trying to really not mentally think about what I was about to do, because to me, I would have gotten too emotional or, you know, been like, wow, that's impossible that I could be doing that. Um, and not think too hard because that would have, I was worried that would get in my way. So, you know, occasionally I would have, I, I actually, to me, the last eight miles is almost such a blur but, and I almost don't even have the order of events right, you know, of when things happened because I was so you hear people talking about, oh, I'm focused on one mile at a time. I was like more narrow than that. It was yeah. really just like swimming. I, you know, I was just thinking like one step one at a time, step. one step at a time and making sure I wasn't losing contact with anyone for a single second of the, of that little pace group of pacers. 
do you like six seventeen? So like, does that feel really fast to you? Um, when I'm running the when I was running the race, it didn't. Okay. If I were trying to go out and like run a normal run, that would feel like I'm blazing along. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It it really wasn't. It at no point was the race hard cardio wise. Okay. Sure. For me. Yeah. It was only hard on a muscular level yep. where things just started getting tighter. Yeah. And I was, I could tell that, you know, I think my prayers to Ian helped me out. And, you know, I was just in good enough shape. And I don't even know what I mean by that. It wasn't like I was in good enough physical shape. It was just like things were working well enough that I wasn't going to be in major, major trouble where I was praying that something wouldn't give out yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think that in marathons, like those miles, like 10 through 15 really mentally are always the most challenging. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh man. Okay. Like this is going to get really hard and yeah. I'm not, I'm in, but I'm not totally dipped in yet. And so, yeah. and then you get to those, once you get to single digits, you can kind of like process it differently, but I'm with you. It's like, I'm yeah. I, that halfway point is just kind of when it's like, okay, can we do this again? Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. It's, nuts. So the finish yeah. line video is amazing. Have you yeah. watched it a million times? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it and then I couldn't fall asleep because I just kept thinking about it. Like I keep the, the day of the race, I watched it like 10 times before I went to bed. And then I was just laying there and, and thinking like, did that happen? Like, I guess that happened because it's on film. <laughs> <laughs> that And then the, 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 the picture of all of you girls, are you in the, that picture that people keep posting? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm hugging Amanda. Okay, okay. Yeah, the one that I think you mean the one that Nicole Bush took. Maybe I don't know. Like, yeah, probably. Know. I it's the one everybody keeps posting. I posted it on my stories, and everybody like Anne is jumping. Another Anne. There's an no wait, not Anne. What's her name? I think her name's Anne too. I think oh, there's cool. an, another Anne jumping, and like everybody's like couple people are hugging and everybody's like just like watching people come across the finish line like cheering each other on yeah oh my gosh the it, it was insane to me like the whole we we actually I had think I had already thought we'd passed 20 and we were at like mile 18 and then <laughs> oh gosh that's <laughs> not good you, which shows you how much I was like really super focused on like just clinging to the pace um, and then we actually did pass like 18 or 19 and then I kind of swore in my mind a little bit and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have another two miles or something more than I thought we did. Um, and then to me and all other previous CIMs, whenever we passed 20, it was like, I remember it very distinctly, I think, cause I was in so much pain at that point that everything after that felt like I was just on this death march. Um, whereas this CIM, we passed 20 and I almost didn't even notice it. I know they have like some sort of like fake brick wall to like mm -hmm. represent the wall there. Uh -huh. And I remember kind of seeing that in my peripheral vision. But besides that, I had no idea, you know. And then you finally get to like mile 23 and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I can do this if I just keep doing exactly what I'm doing. Um, and at one point, and again, I'm not even sure where, but I think around the last two miles, Chris, the pacer, I heard him behind me saying like we're exactly on mm. so I knew that I, I just nothing failed on me I was going to get there and then just running through downtown and there was so much noise and at mile 25 I passed my aunt Melinda who's my godmother who she came up from Los Angeles to watch me run and she was yelling it to me like you're gonna do it Margaret. and um and I was like oh my god you know I'm running and I'm like I hope I can do it I hope I can do it 
and um then you pass you know cim is also just the most organized marathon like i absolutely commend them it was so well done even you know on on the elite level of things too you know as an elite athlete they so well organized could not have could not have done better even the hydration stations you know even if you didn't have the elite water bottles there was so much out there on the course that you were going to be good you know it's it's such a runner race um but they even for the elite bottles they had signs ahead of the, the tables that said you know like elite fluid stations ahead so you knew to look out for it and then they had all the tables numbered and really well spaced. I've been at marathons before where people have been just like tripping over themselves trying to get their water bottles off the table. And I've been at marathons before where I've missed most of my bottles because oh. they either weren't there or were on a different table or someone's knocked it down and no one's picked it back up. And I got all seven of my water bottles at this race. It was CIM did a great job. So you're going into the finish there. And there's a sign, it's like 800 to go, you know, and then I, I like look down at my watch at 800 to go and it's 241 something. And I'm like doing math a little bit, but mm. I also, my brain can hardly even do math at that point. And I'm like, okay, I think we're good. And then I pass 400 to go and I'm not even looking at my watch at this point. I'm just basically like sprinting and like hoping things stay together. And then you pass 200 to go and you round the bend and I could see the clock there and it was... <laughs> 244 like something low enough that I knew I was really good and then I just started sprinting like a maniac um and then I crossed the line I just could not believe that I had made it it was so awesome and then my first thought after that was let's lay down (laughs) (laughs) so I actually just like laid down on my back for like five seconds and then people were like another woman helped me up and I don't know who she was I feel like I should say thank you um and then a woman medic helped me up and she was like do you need a wheelchair (laughs) and I'm like no no I'm good and then I couldn't wait to go hug Amanda who I found out later her name's Amanda but I um and then this other girl Jenny so Jenny and Amanda it was never we were like in a pack but I feel like I kept going back and forth with Amanda she she was in this Wazelle kit and had these two little buns on the top of her head. And um, then I kept seeing Jenny who had this orange top on and she had a ponytail with these like little braids in it. And it was just like, I could sense their energy. And I was like, these girls are going to make it too. I know these two are going to do it. And I could not wait to go give them hugs. It was just like a moment I dreamed of, especially after missing it was like getting this chance to celebrate with these other people who had made it with you. It was just, I can, I will never forget that moment the rest of my life. It was so, so, so awesome. Um, and then my husband was there and I was like, Philip, I can't believe it. Like I <laughs> literally, like I think you can probably tell, like I still, I still can't believe it. It was just, and of course, me being me, I had to make it as dramatic as possible and make it by 15 seconds. Was that so, what it was? Was it 244.45? Yeah. Wow. It was, was 244.45 and it was actually 244.48 based on the oh, gun. Oh, wow. 12. Oh, yeah, because you have to do gun time. 12 yeah, you seconds. Do gun time. I guess you can appeal it if you've made it by your tip time instead, but I'm really glad I didn't I have, have to, to do that because <laughs> I think that's, that's nerve wracking to have to go through that process. So. Oh, to make it like free and clear like that and just, oh, I I just can't believe it. This is something I've wanted to do for so long. My, my, actually my best friend Louise made it back in 2016. Oh, really? she, made it in, she made it at that one year at Boston, the year 
that Boston had really good weather. Oh, she ran up there. Wow. There was a good tailwind. Yeah. So she, and she just got it too. But Um, so is that, was that too early for her to qualify for the 2020 trials? (laughs) She, no, she hasn't made it for 2020. She's okay. since retired. <laughs> cool, because I was going to say 2016. Yeah. It's like, it's like for instance, if someone qualifies in like six months, it's like, eh, you got to do it again yeah. for 2024. Yeah. yeah. So I think, remember what year of Boston that was, but she ran at the one good weather year for Boston. And, I, you know, at that point, I don't think I had even run a, no, I hadn't even run a marathon yet. I don't know. Maybe I had. Wow. I don't remember. I, my first marathon Maybe she made it in 2012. I don't know. Yeah. She made it in 2012, not 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but um, my first marathon was actually seven years exactly to the day from Sunday, which I realized, I only realized that thanks to Facebook. Uh His Facebook was like seven years ago on this day. This was your most liked photo. And it was me (laughs) at the end of my first marathon. Of course, that was your most liked photo. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess part of qualifying, even if you don't do the trials, is like you ran the standard, you know. Yeah. Because I know some people um, that have qualified like then get pregnant or, you know, something like that where they just can't make it to the trials. So. To me, it's almost, especially for those of us, I think, in the 240 to sub 245 range, just – to me, CIM and the process of making it there is, it's almost like trials are the reward. Yeah. Oh, if, for sure. that marathon, I'm going to just be so dang happy to be there and I'm going to go for a PR and that's going to be the goal again, but I am going to be, I'm going to just be so happy to be there. It's, it's nothing like the pressure that I felt in a way going into this race. I also think the day before a marathon is just the most intense thing ever. You know, you're just thinking in, you know, 24 hours or less, I will be running 26 miles, which to me just sounds like a crazy thing to do. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, that doesn't, you know, that was my 10th marathon, but I still feel that about marathons. I don't know. I, maybe if I ever run an ultra, which I don't think I will, because that's too long, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will start to not feel like that about 26 miles, but that's just such a long way to go. So it's, yeah, but the trials, yeah. even though you're going for another PR, it's like the pressure of what you just had oh. on you is gone. So m- maybe oh, yeah. this time you'll be like relaxed. Yeah, I think I, I, in a way, I really will be. I'll just be, I'll just be so happy to be there. It's just, you know, it. I, I am so pumped. I just can't believe I get to go. I, I can't believe it. It's so cool. Will your husband go with you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's coming. My mom and dad are coming. I think my sister's coming. There's my aunt Melinda is going to come in from California to watch it. Yeah. So where was he, where was Philip on the course at CIM? He, he had a jump bike and kept going through all these back roads to try to see me at different Uh places. And, um, Philip being the good cyclist, he is actually did a great job of like popping up. I kept thinking to myself like, wow, how did he get up here already? (laughs) So, and it was actually awesome too, because Philip's seen all of my marathons except for Steamtown, which actually did not go well. And I always felt like, oh man, maybe it would have been better if Philip had been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cheering me on. Philip's lucky to have. Um, but oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't even remember what I was saying with this. Sorry, Lindsay, well, I'm a little tired. <laughs> no, we were just talking about how often you, he got to see you on the course. Yeah, he, he didn't see me until probably 13. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Well, it's some of the previous marathons, like right before this CIM where I was trying to qualify, I, I kept seeing Philip around like 12, 13. 
And at that point, I had already known based on how I felt that there was no way I was going to do it that day. And I would tell him that when I passed him. <laughs> and then at this marathon, you know, at 13, I was feeling like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this. And luckily, I didn't see him. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even tempted to say to anything. To say it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't see him when I was having these doubtful thoughts. Um, and then when I did strategy. see him. Yes. And then when I did see him, I just gave him thumbs up and smiled. And, you know, he's smiling at me. And then he kept, you know. Every time he popped up, he would be smiling and just say, good hand, you know, uh-huh. and uh, wow, yeah, it was just, I, it just, the race almost couldn't have gone more perfectly. I'm just, it was like a dream come true. What is your biggest takeaway? Like, what's your biggest lesson you learned? Oh, wow. I, I think there is so much power in your mind and what you believe in terms of gritting it out where it would have been so easy at mile 13 to just be like, oh, my quads are already feeling tight and this just isn't my day. Mm-hmm. Where I kind of just set my mind to, I was like, legs, you are going to continue to do this. And it is kind of the further I got into the race and the closer I got to the finish line, the more and more determined I became in terms of I am not going to stop what I'm doing. It was kind of like it didn't matter what my body was saying to me. Like I was going to force it to do that. The mind is so powerful. Yeah. It was my mind got me to the end of that finish line. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do into the podcast questions. Okay, great. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, I would love to finish. I'm working on a yoga book for endurance athletes. Oh, cool. And I had to kind of set it aside during marathon training. So I want to finish that. Okay. That is that is a goal for me is finish that book. And then do you have a publisher? Is that self-published? No, not yet. I'll find a publisher though. I have, it's I have good happen. connections with my, with my PhD in English. I know a lot of publishing people. So yeah. Uh, why, why PhD in English? What made you want to do that? Oh, I love reading. So when I was... Growing up, I was horrible at sports, but I was always a very fast reader. And that Mm -hmm. was something that, you know, even though I was like the shy little girl in class that was like the teacher's pet, (laughs) I was really proud of how I could read fast. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, anyone who knows me growing up would not be surprised that I got my PhD in English. Um, I love, I just love literature. Do you also love school? Because I just can't imagine being in school that long. (laughs) I do love school and I love teaching. I'm glad I'm not on the student end of it anymore. I kind of, I feel like been there, done that. I think maybe that's just a result of being in school so long for the MA and the PhD, but I love teaching. I love that whole academic environment. And, you know, I taught English at UVA for a couple years. There's weird academic roles where you can only have so many, con- you know, like one year contracts. Um, so uh, I'm not doing English anymore, but I love that. But Actually, what are you doing? Are you teaching? Like, I know I you teach, teach yoga, but. Yeah, I'm teaching in the kinesiology department at UVA. So okay. I teach a yoga class that the undergrads can take for credit. Okay. And I teach running for fitness. And okay. I actually, it's like the best of both worlds in a way. I'm not, you know, I don't have my English classroom anymore, but I still have my academic classroom. But I'm helping and I have no grading. You know, it's not like nice. I'm grading papers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm having such an impact on people's lives. Like, I have people in my running class who you know, I had a boy last spring who he told me he had previously like tried to run a 5k and had to stop in the middle, couldn't finish his 5k. And by the end of the semester, he was running, you know, he ran like just ran like a 120 something or 130 something half wow. marathon. 
So it's he texted me this past fall That's that so he's cool. continued to run. So it's you see what an impact this has on people's lives. And um, to me, so much of my college experience was being an athlete. And even when I was a little, little girl and swimming, you know, I think I couldn't imagine life without swim practice. And that's probably why I still swim so much. Like I just, that's just part of, I don't know, it makes me happy. So I do it. And, you know, I want other people to find that joy in that sort of daily routine of that workout that makes them feel so happy too. And it really does impact the rest of your life. Like I, you know, getting your PhD is really hard. And I saw a lot of my peers end up on, you know, anxiety medicine and you know it, sometimes you need that you know but it um I definitely credit my exercise with helping me through a lot of the sometimes very intense mental challenges of academia too so it's I love that academic environment I love school and I love I really love my students they're so important to me and they're like the children that I don't have yet <laughs> and your doctor Mazer 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 yes Dr. Mazer yes. mm-hmm. does that feel good yeah, it does. You were I, really I, hard for that. Oh, yeah. I just have them call me Anne, though. Do you? Like, I I'm like the yoga teacher, you know. <laughs> but you're like, but I earned that doctor. Yeah. Yes. I, I wondered like, that. I don't let them call me Mrs. Mazur. <laughs> they do? No, I no. don't let them do that. Yeah, it's I'm Anne like, or doctor. Anne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. What's yeah. an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh, wow. Well, right now I'm pretty dang proud of qualifying for Olympic trials in the marathon Besides that, I'm really proud of my PhD. That's yeah. that's hard. It's hard. It's hard even to get into UVA. I think there were like 700 applicants the year I applied, and they took 12 of us. It's wow. just it's it, it's no surprise to me that running was really hard my first couple years of grad school. Thinking about everything I had to do to get into grad school. Yeah. Yeah. Very mentally challenging. It's. In some ways, and, and you know, academia is such a weird world right now because people have trouble getting jobs. You know, there's not enough professorships to go around to all these super qualified, super smart people. But, you know, I'll say if, if someone is looking to hire someone <laughs> and this person has a PhD in the humanities, that person is one tough cookie if yeah. they've been on the other side and haven't lost their mind yet. So you should probably just hire them because they'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's. Yeah, um, I'm really pr- proud of my PhD. And I'm really proud of, of having run at Notre Dame, um, especially as a walk-on and surviving that. That wasn't easy to do. So are you yeah. just like a really hard worker or, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you're I, excelling at lots of different things here. <laughs> I, I work very hard. I, I, you know, you feel kind of like a jerk saying things like this, but I work harder than almost anybody I know. And yeah. It's just like how I am. It's just how it kind of I've always been. I don't know how to not work hard. When I was in high school, my mom would always tell me to go to bed and I'd be like, oh, this isn't done yet, you know, and I would stay up to like three in the morning, you know, finishing whatever project it was and making sure I it was done how I wanted it done. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know how to not work hard. When I was little, I never understood, you know, like sometimes it's from practice, there would be people who would like hide in the locker room to like not go to practice. Uh-huh. And I like never understood that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, how can you not want to do this? This is fun, you know, (laughs) or, you know, occasionally the coach would give you a set where if, if you made it, you got to get out of the pool. And I'm like, no, no, I want to stay in the pool. Give me an extra set. You know, it's, um, yeah, to me, working hard, is also fun if, if you like what you're doing. And I really love running. I love swimming. I love literature. So it was, 
you know, a lot of hard work, but I love challenges too. So it's to me, I get, you know, I feel so accomplished when I do these things that are hard that I think it makes me keep doing these things that are hard too. That's tough. Like you're, mm-hmm. are you born with that or are you, you know what I mean? Cause I also think you can train yourself to be a hard worker. Like this yeah. is clearly like a lot of this is like your inherent nature, like yeah. how you are wired as a human being. Mm-hmm. But I think we're all happier when we work hard for something and check, yeah. you know, check a goal off the list or whatever. So yeah. Do you have any like um, any things that you do as someone who works hard that you think help attribute to your successes? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I am very organized too. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. Like I'm definitely big on planning, you know. And I'm not. And I would say that not. I'm not like one of those like psycho planners who's like mapping out the entire week or the entire day, but just. Um, I think that's where yoga and running are a good combo too. You know, you see these runners who are so type A that they're like way too far at the end of that spectrum, whereas yoga kind of brings you back down to earth and you know how to balance it out. So I'm very organized and I plan really well. But I think just on a daily basis, I really work hard and I don't know how to not work hard in things that I do. It's kind of taking it one step at a time. Yeah. And, you know, if you have one workout where you're trying hard or you're trying the right amount and you don't put too much pressure on yourself and you kind of just enjoy what the effort is, then, you know, and I like endorphins. So do you get a lot of sleep? <laughs> oh, God, I should probably be getting more sleep than I do. But I love sleeping. Yeah. What, what I, do you do? How much do you sleep? Oh, my gosh. All hmm. fall, my mom kept saying to me, and you can get this Olympic trials cut if you just keep getting more sleep. And I kind <laughs> of listened to her, but not really. I mean, between like during the week, I'm only really getting six to eight ish, okay. you know, it's sometimes on the lower end of that, you know, yeah. um, but on the weekends, if I'm allowed to sleep in, I could sleep till like 11 a.m. So and I'm like a dead person. Time. You can bank some time well, on the weekends. Yeah, I I sometimes have that one day where I sleep like 11 hours straight and my husband will come like try to wake me up and I like, won't even be able to like answer him back. And I'll be like, oh, you know, <laughs> 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 just like a dead person, just like lying there, like in my sleep coma. It's just beautiful. And. I do love sleeping. I'm I'm much better at sleeping in than going to bed early. Okay, because at night horrible. you like more things you want to do. Yes, I have a very I just like being up and alive. I guess. <laughs> but do you, so, do you ever do things that are not worthwhile? Like, do you watch TV ever? Yeah, I do. Okay. I love forensic files. Okay. Yeah, okay. I watched a ton of. Yeah, I remember reading a blog post of a woman who made it back. I think in 2016. Maybe it was even 2012. Oh, I bet you're talking about Teal. Are you talking about Teal? Yeah. I read her blog and she said how she gave up TV. And I'm like, man, I can't give up TV. It's, I don't watch that that. much TV. I watch TV when I lay in bed at night and that's about it. And it's like a 20 minute episode of Forensic Files. I like crime shows. (laughs) I just really look forward to that. Like to the, I don't know if the word numbness is the right thing, but just like the turning off of everything else and not having to like, this sounds hey. this sounds depressing, but like not having to feel anything, just like being yeah. there. No, you know? I totally get that. And I think especially as a teacher, I think sometimes I'm like half extrovert, half introvert. You know, I love yeah. being around people and I thrive off of actually I get kind of like sad at the end of the semester yeah. when I don't see my UVA students on on such a regular basis anymore because I just love talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're awesome people. 
Um, so I love being around people like that. And it makes me sad if I'm just like at home doing my writing all day by myself in my computer in my office. Um, but I also have realized with teaching, cause I teach a lot. I'll sometimes teach like a dozen classes a week. Mm. Um, when I get home, sometimes I really just need to not talk to anybody. Oh, I bet. And you know, even my husband will sometimes come show me, he'll show me samples for his company. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, Philip, like, don't show me this pan chart <laughs> right now. Like I can't pick out a color for you. <laughs> I'm his color expert because uh-huh. I'm really good at choosing colors. So, um, but yeah, it's, I love that little like moment of like, I need my division between my day and my calming down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's good to know. That makes you sound more human. <laughs> yeah. No, Not I that am, you did I it before. Of, I actually think doing a lot of the human things and relaxing a little uh-huh. is so key, you yeah. know, in college, I was in a way so uptight about uh-huh. certain things. Like I actually insisted on like going to bed exactly at 10, 10 PM every night. You know, I uh-huh. was like very regimented and I think, you know, you're in college and you just don't know what you're doing that it sometimes helps you to have that sort of, you know, whatever. Um, but yoga has loosened me up a lot and, you know, and I have, I have two little brothers who are pretty chill compared to my sister and me. We're definitely, Jill's the most uptight one. <laughs> she'll, she'll, she'll let me say, she'll admit that. <laughs> um, but my two brothers are so chill that I think they were also a good influence on me to just, I think sometimes, you know, you want to do everything right and like do all the hard workouts and, you know, work and try really hard. But you also want to relax. Yeah. And I think you have these people that get too uptight about things that then they're not even having any fun. And, you know, there's other things you should be enjoying in your life besides you're going out for a run, too. Um, And, yeah, finding that sort of balance. I think that's where the running yoga combo really works so well, too, is that it teaches you. Yeah. It's just a big journey. And, you know, when you go into your yoga class or your yoga practice, there's going to be poses that feel different from the day before. And there's going to be ones that you might not even be able to do and that you could have done before. And it's all just kind of a journey. You kind of just have to accept where you are at that given moment in time. And that's something that I think that whole mentality of like just trusting your body and listening to it and growing with it day by day. And it's not just this whole upward progression of like, oh, I'm just going to continually get faster. And sometimes I'm just going to have to be patient for a while and then things will click. Um, That that patience that it teaches you and you know, this sort of combination of relaxing and working hard is where you need to find that balance. She's got us all wanting to go buy unlimited packages to at our nearest yeah. yoga studio. <laughs> I actually did yoga on Tuesday for the first time in a long time. I do a reformer Pilates class once a week and my instructor's out of town. So I just did the yoga class instead. And yeah. I just struggle with yoga because I get bored. Well, you know what you need to do what? is you need to try more classes. Okay. Because people have told me that, actually, besides the number one thing is people are like, oh, I'm not flexible. I can't do yoga. You know, that's you hear that. And then to me, the second most thing people say is they get bored during yoga. And I feel like I'm not accomplishing enough. Like, yeah, even though I know you're playing what you can find a class that's right for you where the teacher is pushing you where it feels like a workout. Also, I can that I know I have streamable online workout. Okay, I know I library. Okay, and you will feel like you're getting a workout. And actually, that's what a woman who I ran with in high school, she got the workouts and messaged me a couple months ago. And she said she actually always thought yoga wasn't a workout. And she did my yoga workouts. And she's like, it is a workout. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's people who who think yoga is boring, not to like be lumping you in that. No. But 
Um, you just need to find the right class or the right teacher for you. And you have to just keep going to more classes because yeah. there, there are yoga classes that are boring and <laughs> they aren't very enjoyable. So there's something out there that is just right for you. That's going to help your running and be just the perfect yoga class for you. Yeah. And I will say that I, I didn't not like the class I was at on Tuesday. I was just like, yeah thinking in my head okay I'm good with just 30 minutes of this like I don't I felt like all the things that I was like things I could be doing other than being there yeah obviously like I'm not thinking I'm gonna get a running workout in while I'm doing yoga yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. okay I'm gonna look up your classes and obviously you guys we will also link her classes in the show notes so that you can see what Anne's doing there's more coming too okay I I just filmed six more this fall and I have to get in touch with my film guy and Pump where, those out. where do we where do I find them are they just on your website yeah just on my website runnersloveyoga.com and then click on streamable yoga workouts are they on YouTube like is that where they're on at no it's um a different platform so you can buy them for lifetime streaming or okay. you can rent some of them too but okay. really what people should do is just buy the, yeah. the most recent one it's six yoga classes and they're all a really nice length so you can do them in a you know in 20 minutes okay so don't think to yourself like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. And It'll I know it's on my runner. computer and I watch it yeah. on the computer. You okay. can do it on your computer. You can do it on your Roku or your Apple TV or pretty much any device that has a screen. Really? You can stream something too. Yeah. Because TV I like better because computer I yeah. feel like it yeah. would feel too small. Yeah. You can stream it to your TV too. I do think that would be helpful because part of the going to the yoga studio is takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going there. And so that's an extra 30 minutes, like 15 minutes there, 15 minutes home. And then add another 15 minutes on like, you know, like the changing of clothes and you know, all that Mm. stuff. So yeah, it's more like an hour is more like an hour 45. Yeah. No, I totally get that too. Um, that was part of the reason why I wanted to have the streamable workouts because I thought that'll convince more people to do yoga because then you can come in from your run and you just, you know, start the video and bam, and it's so efficient and it becomes part of your routine. And it's actually made me so happy because I'll get messages from people, especially marathon runners who there was a guy who just ran New York who, you know, sent me a message that like he did my videos every day leading up to New York and he could tell when he missed a day. And, uh, you know, actually when I was at the finish line of grandma's this past summer, a woman came up to me who finished right around me. And she said that my hips IT band video was like absolutely so helpful for her. And she actually made me feel really good too because she said that a lot of yoga teachers have annoying voices, but she liked my voice. <laughs> that is such a true statement. And that, yeah, that made me feel so good. Yeah. I was like, that's that's such a goofy compliment in a way, but that made me feel so good about myself. It could make or break. I mean, it's like a podcast. Yeah. It yeah. can really make or break anything where you're using your voice. It's like, yeah. and you can't help it. That's your God-given voice. So whether people true. like it or not, that's what it is. That's what's coming out of the mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Okay, Anne, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, boy. I actually had to screenshot things. I always put my books I read in my Instagram stories in a highlight because otherwise I forget them. That's a good idea. And I went through and I've read I, – I, my, my book reading was going very well this fall until the middle of marathon training. And then I tried to read this book that I can't remember the name of now that had just won the Booker Prize a couple years ago, but it was so dense that it kept putting me to sleep. So <laughs> I um, haven't read as many books in the past month as I did for the rest of 2019. But I loved The Power by Naomi Alderman. It's, I'm not going to do this book justice right now, but it's 
about um, women kind of getting these special powers where then they become more powerful than men. And I'm going to just leave it there because I'm not going to do a good job explaining it. But it's sort of this interrogation of what power means within the novel. And it's so fascinating. And it's a lot about gendered power, too. So Naomi Alderman, The Power, that was really good. And then I loved The Perfect Horse by Elizabeth Letts. So her last name is L-E-T-T-S. And that is about, um, it's actually a true story. And it's about World War II, how the Nazis tried to breed the perfect horse. And they stole all these horses from Poland and, you know, everywhere in Europe. Um, And it's a story of what happens to the horses. Wow. So you, if you even remotely like horses as an animal, and you don't even have to like horses, (laughs) you will (laughs) love this book. It's so, it's so well done. It's, you know, I think people try to write historical books and sometimes they work out really well, but this one was just impeccably researched, but also a good story. Okay. Um, so that, that was great. I loved The Perfect Horse. Um, those were my two favorites of, of the year so far, I would say, of the about 30-ish I've read. Yeah. We're talking to someone who has their PhD in English, so I'm assuming you read <laughs> lots of books. Um, what's a nonprofit you like to support? Uh, um you probably know what I'm going to say with this one already, but uh-huh. the AFSP. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that I know. I was like, do I even ask? Because we've covered it, but yeah, I wanted yeah. to see. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what is your one message to send to the world? Oh, wow. Carve out that exercise time that you really enjoy because I think people think, you know, my job is the most important thing or making money is the most important thing, but your health is just as important too. And taking that time out each day to work out is going to serve you so well long term, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually and in every way you could. So find a workout that you love and do it every day. You know, I recently talked to someone who isn't like an avid exerciser, but they said, I just committed to doing 30 minutes a day of movement. Yeah. Yeah. And so even on days where I'm like, this is like a day I'm not going to run. I do try to think about that. Just spend 30 mm-hmm. minutes like getting my heart rate up or something because that's just like really what we were made to do. Correct. Yeah. You know? I agree. That's so It good. just makes such a difference. Yeah. Even it if it's a brisk walk, like 30 minutes, you should yeah. be, there's no, no reason not to be actively engaged in something physical for 30 mm-hmm. minutes in one day. And if you're yeah. working all day in an office, it's like my husband does so many laps around his office. He'll just, he gets antsy yeah. and he just gets yeah. up and like, you know, walks around just to... Just to get the blood moving. Yeah, I have to move. It just makes me feel better. Philip and I are always amazed and when we travel. You know, you have those people on airplanes who don't move out of their seats. They stay the whole time. And I'm like, how do you sit like that that long? That looks hard. What you know? do you do? Do you just get up and walk down the aisles or do you like fake go to the bathroom? I fake go to the bathroom and then I switch position in my seat a lot. So yeah. I'll, you know, sit with like one ankle over a knee and then switch legs. Uh-huh. And, you know, I fidget a lot, I guess, when I sit down. But it's. You have some people who you look around and they're just like on the headphones and on the iPhone watching a movie and like literally haven't moved position. And I'm like, you can't feel good after this flight. Like there's just no way. I think also with yoga, people don't realize how good they can feel when they do stretch more too. That's to me, even as a yoga teacher and, you know, I don't know how long, how long have I even been doing this for? Um, Oh my gosh. I've been teaching yoga more than a decade now, but there, there's times when I do a pose and then I come out of the pose and I'm like, wow, you know, mm. I can't believe how much better I feel now than I did 20 seconds ago. 
And I think about just the average person, if they could learn that or, you know, experience that, I think that would just make the world a better place. Yeah. And I heard you say pigeon pose, pose is the one pose to do before a run if you just choose any. Oh, yeah. Pigeon pose. Such I love a good that. Thing. Yeah, that's such a good stretch. Mm-hmm. All right, Anne. Well, th- I like, I don't feel like we could just keep, keep going, but yeah. <laughs> it's time. The time has yeah. come. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this so fresh off CIM. I'm, I'm putting oh, this out yeah. tomorrow. We're real- oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, we're just like, yeah. I, I just love doing these like quick post race interviews. So I'm really excited to get this out to the listeners less awesome. than a week from the race. So thank you so yeah. much. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. This was awesome. I, I just still can't believe it. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Anne, for sharing your story. That was super inspiring. I had a blast talking with you. You all can find Anne on Instagram. She is Runners Love Yoga. I have links to her website, her videos that she talked about with all the yoga workouts. I have all of that linked in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Check out Coro's my favorite GPS watch that I run with and I do cross training with, go to Koros.com. Use the code another for an extra band at checkout. And don't forget, you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash another nine and using the code another nine. Friends, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're here. I've got at least one more post CIM interview coming. And I just hope you're having a really great December And one quick plug for Sandy Boy Productions. That is the podcast network that I launched. I'm super excited about that and and proud of of what's already coming out of it. We've got the Illuminate podcast. And most recently, I had an interview with Wendy Snyder. She is a positive parenting coach. And man, that episode spoke to me so deeply. And I know it spoke to so many people who listened. I've gotten so many great messages and emails about that episode. If you are a parent or someone who is a parent type figure to a child, go listen to Wendy because she speaks some truth. And look, you don't have to agree with everything she says because um, you might not. But the basic guidelines that she follows and the strategies for parenting, they are sound and she has wonderful things to share. So just Google the Illuminate podcast. It's the one with the white background and the gold logo. There's another one that is about porn addiction, I think. It's not that one. It's the, it's the one about people illuminating the world around them and make sure you check out the up and running podcast. Lauren Flores is just doing an amazing job over there. Uh, recently my intern Emma Benner was a guest host, super proud of her for stepping up and doing that. And yeah, I'm just super excited to build this community out more. And it's, it's really because of every single person here listening that, that this is even possible. So my deepest thanks to you. All right. Have a wonderful Friday. A great rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.